0: Yeah, yeah, it's the NFL's highest paid defense. I've heard the line a million times. And yeah, everyone, including the head coach, pronounced them dominant. The expectation was that they'd be dominant, including after the opener in Cincinnati. That's not the one that gets me, though. Neither of them, actually. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovachovich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. The next practice is tomorrow. The next game is next Monday night in Indianapolis. And let's just say that the expectation or expectations For this defense, look very, very different now, at least to a lot of us, I'm sure, than they did entering this past weekend. Because all through this, we could all comfortably say, hey, no, T.J. Watt, what did you expect? Or Minka Fitzpatrick's hurt, or Cam Hayward's in his mid-30s, or whatever. You could go right down the list and say, if this, then that. But guess what, kids? Everybody who was supposed to be starting on that defense, with the exception of Akello Witherspoon, who, with all due respect, isn't somebody who should be making any significant difference in one direction or the other, they bombed. There's just no other way of describing it. They bombed. They completely bombed. When you're in a tight football game and you are blessed – To establish the field position that the Steelers had in terms of how they'd buried the Bengals inside their own 10-yard line, and you give up drives of 98 and 92 yards, touchdown drives of 98 and 92 yards, you have bombed. And when you've done that with TJ in your lineup, with Minka in your lineup, you've double-bombed, and chances are really, really good that along the way, you've bombed at the coaching level as well. Back in Latrobe, someone asked Tomlin in regard to Brian Flores having been added to the staff. He, of course, having been the former Miami head coach and coming to Pittsburgh in the awkward setting of having sued the NFL. Whether or not the Steelers had now just had this abundance of riches in terms of defensive minds between himself, Flores, and of course, Terrell Austin, who'd been granted the defensive coordinator position heading into the season. And much to my surprise, his answer wasn't exactly a, no, that's ridiculous. Why would you say such a thing? It was pretty much, hey, yeah, we realize what we have here. Not in a braggy way, not in an obnoxious way, but in a manner that was acknowledging the premise of the question. Okay, so great. Where are they? And what happened to them on Sunday? What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported. Academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Joe Burrow threw for 355 yards and four touchdowns. Most of Cincinnati's damage came in the second half. Most of Cincinnati's damage came, according to the Bengals themselves, as the result of adjustments that they'd made. Yay for them! But what about the counters being made by the Pittsburgh Brain Trust that was supposed to be just overloaded with genius? Did you see anything to that effect? Did you see the Steelers mix anything up? Whether you're coming at this from an expert or a novice standpoint, it's usually not that hard to pick out defensive adjustments. More often than not, it's something as simple and basic as mixing up coverages, putting more attention on someone like, say, T. Higgins, who's killing you, or blitzing, just blitzing. Or if you were blitzing in the first half, not blitzing and dropping more guys back. But you want to make the other guy, the other guys, uncomfortable, meaning Burrow and everybody and the other team's coaches. If the Steelers altered anything significantly, I didn't see it. These eyes didn't see it. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't mean there wasn't something slight. I'm just saying that I didn't see it. Did you? Did anyone? And if, in fact, there weren't any, then why weren't there any? What happened to all of the eggheadedness in this whole process that we were supposed to anticipate and applaud all season long? Listen, one terrible thing about having Matt Canada on your staff is that you have Matt Canada on your staff. But one good thing about having Matt Canada on your staff is that nobody talks about anybody else. And the fact is, this team has not been some great big bump up from last year defensively. It just hasn't. And the only reason that we're getting to talking about it now as opposed to before was because of the TJ factor. I don't blame anybody for that. You've seen the Steelers record when he's in and when he's out. You've seen the Steelers sack numbers when he's in and when he's out. But it's okay to adjust as opposed to just using that as some sort of metaphorical crutch. The Steelers, when TJ was out, completely stopped blitzing. They went into total, it's not prevent mode, but it was, we have to make sure we're keeping X number of bodies back in general. And throwing individuals at the other team's quarterback isn't really something that's going to pay off for us on any kind of consistent basis. Because Malik Reed ain't TJ, to put it kindly. But where was anything else? Where was anyone else? Where were the safety blitzes? Where were the corner blitzes? Where were any kind of blitzes? Where was any kind of stunting? You didn't see any of that. It's almost as if they said to themselves, this brain trust, hey, listen, no TJ, everybody just do whatever it is that you do, but do it a little harder. And you know what? You can find that level of coaching right off the street when we come back, J1Q. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, and not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Mitchell, who asks, TJ appeared to be gassed multiple times in the game against the Bengals. Is there a conditioning issue on the on the defense? Um uh, Mitchell, I don't think anybody anywhere would reasonably question the conditioning of one of the planet's premier athletes, really, when you think about it. If you're the defensive player of the year in maybe the most demanding physically sport that exists, you got to be in pretty good shape. And when you consider further everything that TJ had to do to come back from the torn peck as quickly as he did. And by quickly, I mean quickly compared to humans. Somebody tears a peck. That's something that's devastating, you know, regardless of the degree. And he worked his rear end off to come back. But there are a couple of things that are worth bringing up within this context that you raise. One is that there's no substitute for game speed. There's no mimicking it in practice. Uh, There's no way to recreate what it's like to be out there playing not just a physical game, but a physical position. You can ask, you can beg the right tackle in practices to work you over, but the right tackle, in this case, Chuk is looking over at number 90 in the franchise. and He's not going to do anything to him that would be something at a game level. He's just not. There's no way to mimic it. Also, TJ is one to regularly tap out. And I say this with respect. Usually that's a knock. TJ knows the speed at which he needs to operate. He knows the energy level that he needs to be the success that he's always been. So rather than leaving himself out there to just huff and puff, he long ago had worked with the coaching staff on a rotation between him, Bud Dupree, and whoever happened to be behind them, whether it was Anthony Ciccolo or whoever. And that's still in play. Because it's not just TJ that comes out in these sequences. Alex Highsmith comes out. Malik Reed does come in. Reed comes in at times, and this happens Sunday quite a bit, where you go, really? Malik Reed? Can't you can't have TJ out there now? It's just the way they do the rotation. I'd love to quibble with that. I'd love to be that guy who comes up with some sort of sizzling hot take and, you know, where's TJ when you expect him to be? Except that you can't argue the result. You can't. You can't. Defensive player of the year is the defensive player of the year. The impact that he has on the games in which he plays is is. I don't need to describe that to anybody who's listening to this show. You know who he is. You know what he is. Now, I will say this, and this is I'm not going to call it criticism because, again, he's coming back from a serious injury, but Lyell Collins from the Bengals had TJ's number. He did. It happens. It happens. Uh, I watched a lot of their matchups even while watching the game live. And Collins, sure, he held. Everybody holds TJ. That's just how that goes. And a couple of times, TJ turned around and was really flipping out on one of the officials. But Collins also did the job. This is a really big, strong dude. And there's not much of an answer when you have somebody with that kind of bulk and strength. There's a reason the Bengals went and got him. I don't know what the reason was that Dallas didn't want him anymore. (laughs) But there's a reason that the Bengals went and got him. He's a really, really good football player. And TJ's not a magician. TJ's not going to be able to beat or trick or certainly not overwhelm everybody he faces. But I'm going to keep grafting onto that, that he's coming back from a two-month layoff to a serious injury. So uh, I definitely give him the benefit of the doubt. My goodness, if we reach the point where we're talking about TJ uh, in general, oh, man. Meaning in an, any kind of negative light. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one of these tomorrow. <laughs>